Welcome to Three Cops Talk. On this podcast, three active duty police officers discuss behind the scenes stories and real life accounts of what it's like to be a cop. Every episode, you'll get an inside look at the challenges and dangers they face on a daily basis, as well as the triumphs and inspirational moments that make it all worth it. If you want to understand more about the men and women who put their lives on the line for us every day, then this is the show for you. And now your hosts, Chris, Scott, and Sean. Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of Three Cops Talk. As of late, Florida has seemed to be in the nexus of the law enforcement universe for us. Uh, you know, a lot of different things happening in Florida that are uh, concerned to a lot of people, but particularly how it impacts our world. Um, and today we're talking about a couple different things. We've previously spoken about uh, the hurricane with Chris doing with uh, Hurricane Ian and his first run down there and some of the things you saw in the devastation and impact in Polk County, where a deputy, Blaine Lane, who was only 21 years old, was killed during the execution of a search warrant uh, suspected to be by friendly fire due to the actions of a suspect. Our prayers go out to him, his family, and agency. For those of you that are not familiar with Polk County, Florida, its sheriff department is run by an elected sheriff by the name of Grady Judd, who is often outspoken and very blunt about crime. And then finally, today, uh, we've got uh, a regular guest. If you go back to episode 58, Chief Pastizzi from Coral Springs, Florida. Welcome back. Welcome back. Uh, Thank you. If you want to know a little bit more about him, go back to episode 58. There's several other episodes that he's been on there with us. He's a regular guest for us because of the uniqueness of his knowledge as well as his experience in that. But why we brought him back today, because it's very topical, is that the jury has made his decision in the sentencing of the shooter during February 14th, 2018, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in a Miami suburb of Parkland, Florida, in which he murdered 17 people and shot 17 other for a total count of 34 people that were drastically affected directly by this, both physically and death uh, and being maimed, as well as the many teachers, staff, students, uh, first responders, dispatchers, and the like that uh, have been dealing with this since that time. The state pursued the death penalty for uh, Nicholas Cruz, uh, who was the individual that carried out that heinous attack that took a lot of young people from us maimed some people, created a lot of national controversy around guns and things along those lines. Plus within the police community, like how we respond, train and prepare for active shooter incidents. We thought that that would be an incident in which, you know, most agencies would go, well, we're not going to do that. Or at least some of the issues that rose on that. And again, go back to episode 58 to find out about what we're talking about. But today, Chief's here with us to talk about uh, maybe some of the unique things as how the first responders, we obviously know that the families are upset, the families that lost their own children that were victims, 17 people dying, those that were maimed in the process, right. obviously led itself to the state pursuing the death penalty for him. Uh, the fact that a sole juror made a decision to say that they didn't think that he deserved the death penalty. Now, as you well know, in capital cases, things like that, if a sole dissenter within a 12-person jury can dissent, the sentence is not handed down. So there was a lot of jurors that were upset. There was a lot of parents that were upset. There was a lot of people in the community that were upset. But Chief's here to give us some perspective on what the folks on the ground might have felt, as well as the community, because he's a big part of it still. So Chief, thanks for being here. I appreciate you taking the time and, and talking to us about this. So I think to that point, what do you, uh, you think is going on? How, how, this how happen, is this like uh, being said, felt by most of the people you work with? Anything, especially in today's environment, is very unrealistic. Yeah. We, we've known from prosecuting cases down there uh, over 
years that, you know, all you can do is ask the question of the potential jurors, you know, would you be able to recommend a death sentence? Um, unfortunately, there's no way to secure that that is the truth. And all you need is one anti-death uh, penalty uh, person to be able to say, yes, I could, knowing full well they can. I'm not sure that's what happened in this position. I think there were one or two more that questioned it, but, um, it, you know, it's it's really heartbreaking. Um, you talk about closure, uh, you know, speaking on the officer's side of things, you know, that day we wish we could have gotten there faster. Um, I've been very vocal about the fact that uh, if we had had the opportunity to get there quicker and gotten in there faster, uh, we would have ended it uh, quickly. Yeah. Um, you know, unfortunately, 81 minutes later. So the guys, uh, a couple of guys I spoke to, um, my son also looks at that police department. Uh, they're all in shock. You know, they, it's kind of like, right. you know, it can happen, but you really didn't think with all the evidence, right. especially his, you know, two minute rant. Uh, it's a video that he made basically saying what he was going to do, mm-hmm. laughing about it. So, uh, you know, I, I've talked to some of the parents. Uh, they're obviously very upset. Um, they don't see justice mm-hmm. being served. And it, it's hard whenever, you know, it never makes it go away. But I think in this particular case, they feel they were let down by their peers, other, uh, you know, other people in the community. Um, and, you know, one of them said to me, you know, it took one person to decide to take a life of 17 and shoot 17 more. There were a total of 34 people right. uh, shot in this situation. Um, and it only took one person to say, you can, you can live. We're not going to put you to death. Right. So right. it's kind of eerie when you think of it that way. I yeah, mean, one, one person on one side, one person on the other. And yeah. uh, I, I couldn't imagine, honestly, I couldn't imagine being in a juror. Jury's right. room uh, when they were discussing this because uh, I have to believe that most of the people in that room felt that he had earned a death penalty for what he did. And from what to that point, you from what I've read, and you know, I'm reading it from all different news sources and ones that were, you know one or the other about it. Um, they said that the vast majority of the people in that jury, and again, I don't know how they're getting this information, how pertinent that is, how credible it is. I mean, this has just happened, but it was a single juror that happened to be a female that felt that there was issues related to the shooters, like upbringing in life, that it wasn't completely his fault that that was that case. Like supposedly there was the defense brought up things about, you know, this just wasn't his fault. It was like his, his upbringing, his, you know, parents, he had supposedly had fetal alcohol syndrome, which impacted his decisions. The families were very happy with the prosecution is what I read. And that was not exactly appropriate police website that I was reading that on. They said that the families across the board were happy with the way the, uh, the prosecution presented the case and sought the death penalty and how they did. Um, they were very upset with, unfortunately, the judicial process. Now, the people need to understand that jury selection that goes on, they ask you and say, hey, can you, based upon this case, it's a capital case, can you, you know, vote to give someone the death penalty? And everyone sitting there has to say yes uh, or 
somebody's not yeah. doing their job as a lawyer going, well, we can't take them because they're not, they're already biased against this process, despite the facts. So the individual said that, you know, apparently was interviewed somehow and they're obviously anonymous because jurors need to remain anonymous. That's an important part of our system. But, uh, she said, and I know it's a, I'm saying a she because this is what I read. I, it could be a he. I don't even know. But the bottom line is, is that she said that at first she was the only one and she drew a lot of ire from the rest of the jurors and then yeah. eventually was able to convince a couple of others. Now, I don't know how true that is. I don't know what the case is. But the bottom line is, is that uh, to your point, chief, it must have been like 12 angry men. I don't know if you've you know, that, that play about jurists in there, it's a bunch of other people not to give the death right. penalty to somebody. And it's, you know, it's great art, it's great prose. But in the bottom line is that if I was a family member on that, I would be like, this is all opening up wounds again that will never close because Nicholas Cruz is going to live for the rest of his life in prison. You know what I mean? He's still alive, though. He's still alive. And so many people aren't. Um, how do I mean, like from a cop's perspective, chief, that all being said, very unique. This is like, I mean, this is, was incredibly graphic, incredibly like heart wrenching. Uh, our profession was called into question mm-hmm. throughout this and your guys, I'm going to say, and I've said this before and I'll say it again, went in there and made us look right. I, I think when your agency, Carl Springs showed up as a former SWAT guy and tactical guy, I was like, those are the guys that just grabbed their stuff and said, we're going, we don't care. Like I'm going to fight other cops to actually get in there. Well, a couple of things. Not, uh, I'm you know, but it, how do they feel? I mean, like that, that warrior and to be like, clear, there were kind of a thing. Does that defeat us? I mean, like, where are they at with that? Us, but, um, you know, everybody going in that day, uh, every officer that walked in to that building, uh, knew that they were possibly going to die, you know, trying to save kids. Um, and all of them ran in there without hesitation. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, when you don't have that opportunity to neutralize a shooter, um, you know, it, it kind of wears on you. Like I've talked to some of the parents over the years and, um, you know, it is a regret. I will tell you, it's a professional regret that we could not have, uh, finalized, uh, this particular individual that day uh, yeah. for, the, for the families not to have to go through this. It, you right. know, it was, it was gut wrenching to watch. Um, it's mm-hmm. gut wrenching for them to sit there and listen to, to what happened to their, their family, uh, their children, their husbands or because there are three adults that were killed. Uh, but, you know, you were saying something earlier about the fetal alcohol syndrome and all that. Let's, let's be honest. Yeah. His, his birth mother, had some severe issues with alcohol and drugs and everything else, prostitute, mm-hmm. uh, that, all, that all came out. But he was adopted by a very loving couple. Uh, unfortunately for them, uh, they knew what they were getting into. They knew this was going to be a hard adoption. Um, but the father, when he was five years old, the adopted father died and he left the mother caring for okay. these two boys. And she did everything she could, but it was hard. It was hard. But when you look at the, at the end of the day, when you look at what he did and the, and the thought process, the planning, you know, uh, what he says openly uh, on a tape, uh, you know, it talks about what he's going to do and how much fun it's going to be. And everybody's going to know his name. It's very hard for me, you know, to, to feel that that's acceptable, uh, not to face a death penalty. I will tell you, you know, some people are saying, you know, uh, he'll probably get his just desserts in prison with like, you know, Jeffrey Dahmer did. And, you know, who knows what's going to happen? Yeah. I don't think you have to pay anybody in our prison system 
to, to take this guy out if they want to, right. because they would probably wear it as a badge of courage, just like I would have worn if I was able to take him out that night. So, um, but, you know, I, I think addressing the topics you said, it's, it's a, uh, a stark reality. And, and what does it change? Like I've heard people say, if you're not going to put him to death, then who deserves to die, you know, by lethal injection in the state of Florida? Yeah. And, and to your point, chief, I mean, it's, the the officers involved, granted, is not the exact same as the family who the families who lost these people. But we, as police officers, we carry these things with us just like that. I I I have been involved in one or two things over the years that were significant cases where somebody died, and we were there for throughout the trial process and for what the outcome was of that case. And you 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 start to feel like a personal connection to that stuff sometimes because you're so involved in it. And I might not have be the the person that that lost the loved one, but you know we're there as police officers to protect people and to be there for the community. So I I, I imagine that there's going to be a lot of officers, you know, from this that it, they're they're probably going to be upset about it for a long time. I mean, I, I I know I probably would be. I I agree with you and Sean too that this talk about oh well you know the, the defense attorney was able to sway this one person about his upbringing all that kind of stuff. This is so, in my opinion, so far beyond, like, it's just like a kid who resorted, yeah, maybe this kid, he started selling drugs when he was younger, or he stole some stuff from the store. That's one thing. And, you know, you talk about upbringing, maybe you can correct that kind of stuff. This is somebody who was just pure evil and went out to commit horrible acts against people and now is going to potentially live, you know, the next... 40, 50, 60 years in prison. You He's know? only in his early 20s. So, yeah. Right, right. But the, the one thing I would mention in what you just said, you know, right. uh, two points. When the families and the prosecution worked together, the families felt that they wanted the death penalty. So, to have somebody not involved in the process that is an anti death penalty person, um, decide that it doesn't matter what the family wants. Mm-hmm. It's, right. you know, I'm, I'm going to go with the fact I know several people that have told me that under no circumstances, even in this case, they, they would say life in prison. They just don't believe in the death penalty. The, the, the issue I always say back to them is, but that really wasn't your choice. You were asked if you can do it. If you know you can do it, you, if you knew you couldn't do it, you should not have been involved in right. the case. Number one. Right. Absolutely. Uh, but number, the other thing I'll bring up to answer uh, and I'm sure, you, you know, we're all in a job a while uh, when O.J. Simpson was found guilty. I can, uh, not guilty. Right. I can remember where I was, yeah. what I was doing. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. Right. I was like, you got to be kidding me. You know, so now take that. And I didn't even know the guy. I don't know anything about the family. I was watching the news like everybody else. Mm-hmm. But you take that and, and just add to the fact that, you know, the officers that went through this um, lived with these families, you know, they cried with these families. They, they felt the pain of these families and you're right. It'll never be what the family feels, but you know, this is going to touch a lot of officers, paramedics, and you know, there's a lot of firemen out there and dispatchers that yes. are livid. They're like, they can't believe it that that's the way this story ends. Right. 
Well, and that brings up a good next question, Chief. You were you're a leader, and you're a le- you're a chief that a lot of us wish we had throughout our careers. Now, if I had some good chiefs, but I would definitely hope that you know I would love to have worked for you just from what I read and heard about you, and just getting to know you. How would you tell us to move forward if we were with you and Scott and I were two of these officers that were that upset and that pissed off? And in this day and age, so many people are leaving the profession, double thinking like, what did I do the right things? What am I doing here? It just seems like it just never uh, is going you know, to get better. I, I and think we're always in, gonna in be my bad guys. position. And then somebody that's uh, really a bad guy isn't held accountable the for it. That I would, um, uh, What would you say to us? I mean, how would you help us move forward? Because, you know, I'm feeling it. My gut hasn't been the same uh to be honest with you, I, I, when I first heard the news, I was told uh, by accident that they agreed to the death penalty. I was out on the golf course uh, when I heard that, and I was like, yes. And then five minutes later, I get a, a no. They said no. Yeah. And it was just that feeling from you know the high to the low. Um, and I'm sure that's what the guys felt too. But you know, if I was still there, the good news is the chief that's there now was there, and he actually was one of the guys that went in. Yeah, captain at huh. the time, and he got promoted deputy chief and just became chief. Uh, yeah. 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 So I'm sure, yeah, and, and, and most of the command staff actually oh, really? wow. that's in place wow. right now, um, they're the guys in the pictures that went in. They Talk just, about credibility. You know, wow. Wednesday at 2 o'clock, you know, all the captains are working, the lieutenants, you right, know. Right, right. Um, so, so now these guys have, uh, you know, moved up the chain, and, and now they're deputy chief and positions like that. So I'm sure what they're saying uh, is guys, we did our job. We did everything we could. Uh, You know, the bottom line is he was gone as we were running to the building. He was exiting the building on the other side. We never had the opportunity to see him. Uh, There were no shots being fired. When we were there, we couldn't have gone and and found him any quicker than we tried. And, uh, but we caught him. At the end of the day, we did our job, took 81 minutes, uh, which is a long time. There was actually an opportunity for us to catch him at the 7 minute 31 second part, uh, but he exited on the west side of the school as opposed to the east side where our first unit got there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But that being said, I, I would tell him, we, you know, we've all been uh, officers long enough to know you had that case you're so proud of. You think it's, you know... Uh, something that you did a great job on and then the DA throws it, the DA throws it out or right. the judge throws it out for some innocuous BS. Yeah. But, but at the same time, something like this, you know, the murderer was captured, but as, as officers, we have to know we're not the, we're not on the jury. Um, you know, we're not the prosecutors. I, and I may tell you, Mike Satz and Jeff Marcus, two of the, the main prosecutors to handle this, Mike Satz was the state attorney for like 42 right. years. He tried right. all cop killer cases, never lost a case, you know, uh, really? death penalty had, this is, I, I think the most shocking for us in the community too, in the law enforcement community, because he was the leader of that County for a long time that, you know, the, hmm. the head law enforcement guy. Right, right. And, and he was like, you know, when we saw him prosecuting this case, we're like, wow. Okay. He, you know, he definitely believed yeah. that it should have been a death penalty case. So, right. Now, was his uh, defense was the individual defense the provided by the state, or was uh, it just somebody that came in about, pro bono uh, to do this, psychological like a, a higher and firm uh, came from state out west? 
Um, but the state brought in, uh, you know, people that we've used in the past that have extremely, uh, are extremely talented and have decades of experience, uh, talking about this stuff. And, um, as they went through it, I, I really felt that, um, the state's witnesses did their job and counteracted some of the things that, uh, this other individuals, I think he was from California, um, had to say about, you know, why this, this particular individual Mm -hmm. should not be held accountable. Yeah. Hmm. Imagine. Well, you know, uh, the thing about a lot of the stuff is that you, you, you look at it and you say to yourself, you know, he pled guilty to all from what I understand, he pled guilty. He said, I'm guilty of all this. Obviously, mm-hmm. he didn't fight it and didn't claim like mental health related issues that impacted or whatever. So it's like, I mean, if I, I was as a copper, I was watching, I'm going, yeah, this, this one's going to be a slam dunk. It's Florida, yeah. man. Like you, you hear the hype from Florida all the time. Like how conservative they are. You, you know, you loot here, you're going to get shot, you know, all of that, you know, you know, second amendment, all of the conservative values there. And still yet again, you know, it shows you the diversity of that state right. in which a case that was so high profile, the images that those jurors must have seen and witnessed or whatever. And still a person can sit in there and say, you know, that's the case. Again, that's, that's the system. That's how it works. I'm not faulting that person for their, for their values on that. But in the end, at the end of the day, like it is kind of like one of those things. It's just like, this is where like, you know, how we've progressed as a people, this mm-hmm. is some of the stuff that like, although yeah. it's right and it is the system where it is, it's still sometimes, even though when you do right, you still feel bad. Like there've been cases where I've been like, I know I'm doing what's right here, but why do I feel so bad in doing it? You know what I mean? This is one of the things uh, when uh, I, you know, oh uh, let God, me go back this, to the process you worked, earlier, um, you know, particularly you know, post shooting, it went really, really well from what I saw. Originally placed see this, in the custody. Like, the first thing he did was start setting up his case for, I have a, a mental disability. Uh, He started saying things. It was quite apparent right from the get-go that that is what he was going to use as his defense. He actually did stuff on his computer, Mm -hmm. research on his computer on that particular subject. So he he knew if he got caught and and if he didn't die, as you know, most, almost all of them, I think 90% are either killed themselves or killed by law enforcement uh, in these type of attacks. But there's a few. That, you know, uh, this is the first one that actually made it all the way to trial. There's one more that's going to be going to trial soon. But um, but what was amazing to me is, you know, the jury heard mitigating circumstances Mm -hmm. as to why maybe, you know, he has something wrong mentally. Right. But when you looked at all the aggravating circumstances, you know, uh, and that's what I I don't really understand, because, look. The, the minimum kid, uh, the, the minimum person shot had three rounds of them. Uh, that was the minimum. Wow. The, the, the most had 12. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. It was all AR rounds. And a lot of them wow. were headshots. Wow. Uh, he, he was not. Right. So at each all victim had, nobody had less than three uh, like I AR rounds teach, in them. Like, know, yeah, AR he rifle. made sure you didn't get back right, up. Right. If he was close enough to you, you got couple more shots in you because he didn't want you to get back up. And, and there's video that probably will eventually come out where, you know, he just walks up and assassinates, you know, a couple of, of gentlemen, <clears throat> um, <clears throat> excuse me, adults that tried to intervene. And, yeah. uh, 
you know, he just, he continues to shoot at them. So, um, but it's a brutality, you know? So right. when, when you ask, you know, um, I've had guys that, uh, we have a lot of military guys in Coral Springs and, you know, they were talking about Fallujah and stuff they saw over there. It's the enormity right. of the impact of seeing, you know, 17 yeah. dead people. Right. Um, and, you know, and, and walking out 17 more. So it, it was blood everywhere. And, uh, but, you know, yeah. so we've never, um, and I still think to right. this day, I'd have to, you know, confirm that with the new chief, but we've always kept an open right. door uh, policy to right. anybody, any officer, paramedic, dispatcher, yeah. administrative person that walked in and said, you know, man, I'm having a hard time with this. So sure. we really, as a city, I think did a very good job uh, in the union. I have to, I have to agree with, I have to throw in the union, uh, the F- FOP in this particular case. They did not stand in the way uh, of making sure officers got the necessary right. um, the necessary conversations were allowed right, to have right. with officers yeah. that yeah. sometimes they don't want to have. But since some of them went in, they saw it, they felt it, and they knew that the need was going to be there moving forward. So um, I, th- I think there are mm-hmm. some guys right. that have retired. Nobody uh, retired because of this incident, but I think some of the some of the guys with the current state of law enforcement and everything yeah. else. Yeah, decided to move on, uh, but you know the guys that are there will still go in that door tomorrow. It, God forbid they have something else. Right, right. Well, and those jurors too. You know, you got to think about them too. That they, that, you know, I know we mentioned that a couple times, but these are people you know probably, who don't see the kinds of yeah, things absolutely. that we That's see. Great and, to hear too. You know, you don't right. probably think right. typically when you're getting called for jury duty that it's going to wind up being so horrific, something like along these lines. So hopefully, you know, hopefully those people are doing well dealing with that as well because I'm sure that was not easy for them to yeah. to see and relive those yeah. events you know i mean it's terrible yeah i have to tell you i, I don't know how they are uh, you know i mean we're uh, you know i have two sons in law enforcement we talk about this all the time you know they were built for this you know you have to prepare your right. mind oh yeah right to see this and experience it and uh unfortunately my one of my sons had to uh, uh take out a, a murder suspect um Right, uh, a year or two back, and and luckily he won the gunfight and and uh, he survived. But Good. he was prepared. You right. know, I couldn't imagine a layperson or a parent listening to the screams, looking at the reports, listening mm-hmm. to the yeah. autopsy reports. Yeah, because the pathologists are mm-hmm. going to have to be graphic. Yeah, very you know? detailed. Right. Uh, yeah. 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 I don't know how I, I feel bad for those people. Yeah. Right. You know, you you brought up a great point about leadership and past shows, Chief, and that's kind of your thing here about, you know, leadership definitely on the battlefield. And, you know, I was thinking about while you were talking here, it's just like all of us as officers would love to have a command staff that was that like aware that like, oh, my God, I have seen the worst of this, you know, across the board. And I'm sure there's places out there that have them in varying degrees. Like, you know, they work the streets really well. They were involved in officer involved shooting. Like this, But this is like the top of the mountain and like stuff that you would expect. Like it's where the military and the police world kind of come together where you're seeing kind of gore and graphicness and things like that, and, like questioning it and things like that. But to get a command staff at that level, you have to think to yourself, what would a community have to go through to get there? And you would say, oh, I think this would come in Detroit or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, the west side of Chicago or something like that. This turned out to be 
in a community that actually is a really great community. It's not like, oh my God, there's nothing but crime down there and these people are on the mean streets of that. So again, for the folks to have gone through that and have the perspective that they have. Well, and I think part know, of that, and I'll take- <laughs> You put them in helicopters uh, and little, fly them around the country and let them lead people uh, that, in law uh, enforcement right now, because was, definitely we're, a perspective there that probably lacks in a lot of places. For a long time. You know, our, most of our command staff was former SWAT or actually on SWAT. Uh, and, uh, you know, some of the guys were on SWAT for 17, 20 mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of consistency there. There's a lot of camaraderie there. And, and right. a lot of those people, those individuals, men and women, uh, are good teachers. So when they started teaching the regular road patrol officer, detective or whatever, what you have to really do to survive an encounter like this, yeah. eventually the guys started listening. We had an outstanding uh, female sergeant right. that was over training that – uh, you know, how many times have you guys seen where oh, I got to do five pull-ups? Oh, I got to do forty push <laughs> sit-ups or whatever. Everybody complains, you yeah. know. And and she and she kept the course. She's you know she kept pushing and saying you're going to need to be able to bust through a door. You're going to have to run up a ladder. You're going to have to run a hundred yards, right, 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 to get to the school. Yeah. And I tell you, after that, they were all going wow, you know, because uh, they actually lived it. But you know, the other thing I want to say too before uh, <laughs> yeah. we end it, right. So right, right. the state of Florida has 67 counties. All right. Yeah. I would yeah. argue, and I think yeah. the governor would agree with me, probably 65 of those counties that, that this jury would not have been sat, uh, you know, the way it was sat. Yeah. Uh, Broward County is a very uh, democratic, you know, a Democrat community, very liberal for the most part. And, uh, but I think if you sat that jury and you took the jury and, and said, okay, that's why the defense, I think, didn't want to do a change of venue because, you know, if you would have went one county south or north, I think you would have had a different result. Different outcome, yeah. 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 So you got to know if you're an officer, you got to know where you work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, Right, exactly. You know what you what I gain and what I lose and all of that, and that, and that is, that is great. Again, Chief tied into a bunch of different shows that we've talked about. One of the things you talked about, he just finished talking about, was one. Go back and listen to the episode where we talk about the warrior versus the guardian and how the warrior needs to be able to spring to action and get there. And if you don't have that mindset, you're going to suffer the long-term effects of that for a while. Like people that are one are not prepared that will think it'll never happen. And then those folks that can lead you through that process, because just because the shooting stops doesn't mean the problem stops. And obviously here we are four years later, plus dealing with this and people will be dealing with this for quite some time. Again, we can't say enough good things about the officers, the people that responded, but our sympathies go out to the families and things like that, that are feeling that maybe this process let them down. Um, Again, the prosecutors, again, you can't say enough good things about it. They did what they could with that. And again, this is just how the process works. we really appreciate it. Thank you. Um, I think if we start tampering with that process, I think we're going to mess up a whole lot of other things. So I would definitely say these guys, you know, Chief, I can't thank you enough for coming back on and, and talking about something so hot. And uh, so, so emotional. Uh, again, it made me feel better, <laughs> honestly, as somebody that was really frustrated by the process. Uh, so I can't uh, thank yeah, you for I'm that. still but out there presenting. That being said, uh, if you guys want to get a hold of Chief, Canada, Chief, why don't you go ahead over, and uh, uh, give us your back, back info there, uh, how they get a hold of you, your training, all that other stuff. Now, to, to hopefully prevent or at least minimize uh, some of these shootings. And uh, I have a company called Four Star Strategies. Uh, you can go, my, go on my website and see what I've been doing. But, um, there's a few of us out there doing it. Uh, some of the parents are out there. 
It's just trying to educate people on the fact it can happen anywhere. And I have to tell you, that's the one thing that has really shocked me is how many communities I've been to where people have actually said that that's not going to happen here. And it's just, wow. You know, if you, if you looked at Parkland, Florida, you would have said the same thing and you would have been wrong. (laughs) Right. 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 To my point. Right. Right. Well, I appreciate it, Chief. Again, if you want to get a hold of us, uh, again, you know where we're at. Uh, if you've got any comments to us to get us directly, you can go to us through email, which is uh, 3copstalk at gmail.com. It's number 3copstalk at gmail.com. If you really want to check out everything in one-stop shop to get to our shows, uh, wherever you download your podcasts and things along those lines, go to our website because it'll direct you to one of those or the other. And that is www.3copstalk.com. You can sign up to be a guest there. You can listen to past episodes. You can reach out to our guests, learn a little bit more about them. Um, and we'll go from there again. Uh, keep your head up folks on this stuff. This is how the process works. Um, we want to educate folks to the, to the, to the understanding of, you know, everybody's impacted by this, but give you a little bit of perspective from the cops on the ground that dealt with this. This is a great show to do it. So thanks again, chief. And we'll talk to you all soon. Ever wanted to ask a police officer a question? Mail your questions to three cops talk at gmail.com. That's the number three, copstalk at gmail.com, and we'll answer them on the show. Follow us on Instagram at 3CopsTalk. That's the number three, copstalk. Thanks for listening, and stay safe out there.